Good morning, everyone. Today's reading will be on Psalm 115, and it is a responsive reading. So if you could read the parts that are in white in response to my parts in yellow on the slide there. But to begin, begin the reading, we will all read the first verse together. Okay? All right. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, our God is in heaven, but their idols are silver and gold. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have ears but cannot hear. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk. Those who make them will be like them. All you Israelites, trust in the Lord. House of Aaron, trust in the Lord. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless those who fear the Lord. May the Lord cause you to flourish. May you be blessed by the Lord. The highest heavens belong to the Lord. It is not the dead who praise the Lord. It is we who extol the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Rebecca, and thanks, um, Radna. If you can keep your Bibles open to Psalm 115, I'm sure that'll help you as we go through it um, to take it out. But let's pray. Uh, God will speak to us. Lord, we thank you for these words, and once again, help us to see you clearly through them. Help us to restore our confidence, and uh, help us to, um, would you shape our will that, that we might be people who want to trust you, who trust you um, uh, in, in, in and through all situations. Um, and Lord, we pray that you will speak to us and um, show, show yourself to us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we do, um, we're going to, we're starting a new series uh, through uh, Psalms, uh, and uh, we're going to go through many Psalms and all about sort of uh, God. Uh, so uh, today uh, we'll go through the series um, entitled, of uh, series, and the first one is entitled uh, Our God. But have you ever been asked, as we start, I want to ask you this question, have you ever, ever been asked, uh, where is your God? Where is your God? What use is, use is it to trust him? 
Where's, what has he done for you? Does he feed you? Does he make money for you? Why do you go and why, why do you worship him? Where is your God? Well, Psalm 15, we can't be sure exactly when it was written, but it was at a time, as we can see in verse 2. It was at, at, written at a time when people were asking, when the nations were asking, where is your God, right? In verse 2, why do the nations say, where is their God? And many scholars date this psalm to be ex- after the exile, when Israelites were kicked out of their homes and Jerusalem, when it was desecrated and they were forcibly removed and they had to live in Babylon and other places. And it makes sense, right? The, the Babylonians, these arrogant Babylonians who had just won the war to look down on the Israelites and say, where is your God? Why do you worship him? And if they looked around in Babylon, they would have seen all these images of these idols. Idols, idolatry was everywhere. The statue of Marduk was everywhere. The images of their gods were everywhere. The reminder and of, of the power of the Babylonian empire was everywhere. Where is your God? And remember, Jewish people couldn't make images of God. They couldn't do it. They were forbade from doing it. Forbidden from doing it. But if we're honest, this question, where is God, is not a question that's only asked by outsiders. We ask it ourselves. Maybe you asked it yourself as we're going through the times of COVID. Where is God? This week, as we're facing all these changing news uh, in Hong Kong, maybe you are asking, where is God? What's God doing uh, in all of this? Maybe in illness. Often we ask this question, don't we? Why doesn't God do something? Why does it seem so useless to trust in this God, to worship this God? If you've asked this question to yourself, friends, it's okay. God isn't daunted by your questions, and the psalmist knows that these are the questions that we ask ourselves, but we do need to listen because God has an answer. The psalmist has an answer. The psalmist says, God is in heavens. He's transcendent. He is God. And unlike other gods, his power is unlimited, and we can trust him. I know it's not easy to trust him. The psalmist knows it's not easy to trust him, but he says, trust him. Exercise that muscle of faith so that it's, not, it's, it's faith, not doubt, that is our second instinct. Trust him. But if we continue to exercise our faith, and if we continue to see God as who he is, the thing is, our problems, they will pale. They will fade away. They will not be as important as they were before. We'll see God clearly and we'll be able to live for his glory. But in order to get there, we must see God clearly. I've asked this question many times before to our church, but you know, when you think of God, what do you picture? What do you picture when you picture God? Uh, maybe the sun or, you know, old white man or something. I mean, we never picture God as an Asian man, which I think is white privilege, right? right? Anyway, sorry. Uh, the, the, but whatever you picture, whatever you picture is not God. In fact, the Bible told us not to make images of God because whatever you picture would diminish God's glory, right? The best of the best, the most glorious thing that you can think of is not God. It's less than God. It it pales in comparison to God. We're not to make images of God. But God is there. And the psalmist says in verse 3 that God is in heaven. 
And he does whatever pleases him. He's greater than all of the heavens. He's greater than whatever we can picture. And his power is not limited by anything. He does whatever he pleases. Actually, the psalmist turns around and says, you who worship these idols, well, how ridiculous is that? That these idols are made of gold and silver, but you made them. You made them. They have eyes, but they can't see. They have ears, but can't hear. They have nose, but they can't smell. They have mouth, but they can't speak. They can't walk. They can't feel. They can't touch. They can't do anything. They're completely impotent. They have no power whatsoever. They have no life. How ridiculous is it that you worship these gods? Barney makes these little figurines now. He loves playing with Play-Doh these days. He makes all sorts of things. Imagine if Barney made one of these little human figurines. I mean, that would, I actually took a picture of it, but I forgot to put it in um, here. Uh, but, you know, they're just primitive. It, it's, it doesn't look anything like a per real person. But what's the difference between worshiping that to something like this from Chekung Temple? Of course, this is more lifelike. It's more shiny. It's made of gold or something like this. Uh, it's, it, it looks impressive. Uh, but in the end, they were just like something Barney made, right? Because they're human-made. In the end, they're completely lifeless. To trust in this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. God is not impotent. He does whatever uh, that pleases him. He can cause us to flourish. Verse, verses 14 to 15. He, can con he controls the present and the future. He can bless you. Uh, he can make you flourish and your children, the present and the future. He can't be represented by the things of this world because he made the heavens and the earth. Whatever that's represented in your mind, that's just a creation that diminishes God's glory. God is far beyond that. He's transcendent God who is all-powerful and all-able. Yet, people are still captivated by these idols. During the New Year's time, many of you who know near it, you know this, right? Uh, even when COVID closed everything, people just streamed towards Chakung Temple and they had to keep it open, right? Because like, people want to worship this God. They bring their prayers and wishes and all of it to this God, to this idol. But it's not just these images of this God or Buddhist uh, Buddha or whatever around the world. Um, with the decline of Christianity in the West, you know, was came the rise of like tarot cards and crystals and all these things. But they're utterly impotent. They have no power. They are made by human hands. They're dumb, inanimate, and impotent. But you might say, well, actually, I don't. I'm not tempted to believe in these things. And my friends aren't tempted to believe in these things either. We have our modern idols, money, power, uh, reputation, celebrity, science, rationality, political ideologies, nations become our idols. At their heart, though, at, its, at, at their heart, the problem is exactly the same. All these things that I've mentioned, in the end, are human-made. They are made by human beings. The power that we give are the power that we give. And therefore, in the end, of course, they have some power because as people who are made in the image of God, we have great power. 
a great power that points to God. And sometimes we mistake these things as the ultimate thing, as God themselves. And so we come to trust them. That's a mistake. And the psalmist says, you need to know that these things are limited. All the things that we've made are limited. They're not ultimate. They're not God's. Worshipping money at first seems to make sense because money has a lot of power. If you have a lot of money, you have a lot of power in you, with you. When someone who has, someone has a lot of it, they act kind of like a god, right? They think they're above the rule. They think they can play by different rules until they can't. Jack Ma was humiliated by political powers. Remember Steve Jobs, he was brought to his knees by illness. Bill Gates, I don't know what he's going through right now, but I'm sure he feels the power, the limits of his power of money as he's going through a difficult divorce. Financial crisis, when billions come and go, teach us the lesson that actually we can't trust in money. They're not the ultimate thing. They have their limitations. Trusting in them as ultimate is foolishness. They're just made by human beings. They come and go. And same thing with political powers. All these nations flexing their muscles right now, acting like gods. Well, empires come and go. Nations come and go. Roman Empire lasted for about 500 years. American Empire, maybe about 100 years. Who knows? And Chinese Empire, who knows? When they have power, when these nations have power, they act like gods, but they cannot. They need to know. We need to know. We need to remind ourselves that these are not gods. Trusting in them is, is foolish. They are limited. And so is everything else under the sun. Everything that you trust, well, they're human-made, and they come and go. Your reputation, even a carefully built one, can just dissolve overnight, over one day scandal, or your beauty comes and goes. Uh, uh, science and reason, they, can, they have a lot of power, yes, but they're not the ultimate thing. If you trust in them, you will be ultimately disappointed. The biggest lesson in that is death. As the psalmist reminds us in verse 8, those who make them will be like them, and so will all those who trust in them. Those who are in the business of creating the sense of ultimacy around all these idols, well, they'll die. All those who trust in them, well, they'll die. They will be dumb. They will be powerless and ultimately lifeless. But our God is in heaven, and he does whatever pleases him. And this isn't just an assertion, right? This isn't just something that we affirm ourselves. I mean, uh, to a degree, the whole na creation sings God's glory. Uh, the creation says that God is this powerful God who's created the heavens and the earth. But we know that through history, too. 2,000 years ago, this God became a human being. He walked around the earth, and what he showed was that he had power over everything, that he wasn't limited by anything, that he does whatever that pleased him. He, he stilled the, the, the storm with a command, one command, be still. The sea became calm. The evil spirits, they fled before him. He healed the sick. He forgave people's sins. And he also had power over life and death. Remember, he went to Lazarus in his funeral and said, I am the resurrection. Who says that? Go, going to a funeral, right? At the funeral, I am the resurrection and the life. If you, if you believe in me, you, you will live even though you die. Because of him, 
because he died and rose again, we will flourish. We will be blessed because he's the one who has power over life and death. Friends, the first step in answering the doubters, the first step in answering the doubts in our minds is to, one, remind ourselves of the limits of everything else. Everything else is not God. There's nothing that you can trust in the world. But then to see, to remind ourselves of who God is, our God is this transcendent God who sits in heaven, who does whatever that pleases him. His power is ultimate, and he is our God. He is our God, and we can trust him. We can, but it's not easy. I'm saying this because it's not easy. At, at times when we go through difficulties, uh, it is hard to trust him. And I think that the difficulty is implied in this psalm. I mean, is that why um, in verses 9 through 11, the call to trust in God is repeated three times? Three times, all you Israelites, the house of Aaron, uh, all who fear the Lord, trust in Yahweh God. Trust that he is your help and, and your shield. Again and again, they're repeated. They're told to trust in God. House of Aaron, they're told to trust in God. House of Aaron is, are, are the priests. They are the lead, spiritual leaders of Israel. They're told, they're reminded to trust in God, Yahweh God, at this time, because sometimes it is difficult. And they go back to the scriptures and the promises that are made in the scriptures. Isn't that, why, isn't that how they know that God will uh, bless them? And the Lord will remember us and will bless us. How do they know? Well, because of the past, because of what's written in the scripture. Uh, when the Bible, when the Old Testament says that the Lord will remember us, it's not like uh, uh, you and I remembering as if, God as if God forgets something. God doesn't forget. You know, what he's saying is God will remember us. When he says he will remember, it means God will act. God, when the Lord remembered the Israel, Israelites in Exodus 6, God acted and brought uh, Moses and brought salvation to his people. God will act and he will bless us. And we know that through the past. We know that through the scripture because it's, it's, it's not just testified, it's promised. Abraham, the blessing made to Abraham, you will, your descendants will be blessed. The promise made to David, your, your nation will be blessed. That's promised to us. And that's what the psalmist is doing. You will be blessed. He's assuring the, 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 the Israelites through the scripture that you will be blessed. You need to hold on to this because God has made this promise. And not only that, they sing it. They sing it. They set this, uh, this is a psalm. It's probably sung, and as you can tell, it's probably sung in a public worship setting. They were singing it together. They were worshiping together with these words. They were reminding one another to trust in God with these words. They were singing. And they also prayed in verses 14 to 15. May the Lord cause you to flourish. May you be blessed by the Lord. They don't just go to the Bible. They, they remind them, themselves what the Bible says, and, and, and with those truths, they go to God. May you be blessed. May the Lord bless you. That's what they're doing. And they did not go through these doubts um, alone. They were doing it with uh, the, the people of God. 
the house of Aaron, uh, the people of Israel, those who fear uh, the Lord together, they were leaning on the faith of one another. Church, when have you found it difficult? Maybe this past week, this past month, past year, to trust in God. I understand, the psalmist understands, but in those moments, would you exercise your faith? Would you choose to trust in God? You know, I'm a big fan. You, you know that I'm a big fan of uh, Pastor Tim Keller uh, of New York, this pre- pre- the Presbyterian pastor. Uh, but, you know, he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer uh, over a year ago. He's been going through chemo and all these other things uh, for over a year. And I was listening to an interview uh, with him. He was saying he himself, you know, when he was first diagnosed, and pancreatic cancer, diagnosis of like stage four can- pancreatic cancer usually is, is, a, is a diagnosis of death, right? And even him in this interview, he said, well, when he got the diagnosis, of course I doubted God, he said. Of course. Why? Why does God do this? But then he did all the things that the psalmist did. He reminded himself of who God is, how God is good, (laughs) of who God is in Jesus Christ, how he sent Jesus Christ um, uh, to die for us, to bless uh, him and to to make him flourish. Um, That sometimes his way is inscrutable to us. Uh, We can't quite understand everything that is going on. And then he chose to trust in God. And I'm sure with all the ups and downs of chemotherapy and all the emotional toil that brings, I'm sure he had to do it again and again and again to choose to trust in God. When bad things happen, and they are going to happen, and they are happening around us, when things are not going our way, our first instinct often is to say, where is God? It's useless to trust him. Friends, I know that that happens, but in those moments, then the next moment, would you choose to trust in God? Would you exercise that muscle? Do all the things that the psalmist did. Remind yourself of who God is, what he's done for you. Read the Bible, pray, to, uh, pray worship together, uh, 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 lean on the faith of others. Choose to trust in God. But, and when that happens, when that becomes a habit, and when you have God and His goodness in the forefront of your minds, um, then uh, something changes. And take a look at this psalmist, right? Uh, this psalmist, what's so surprising about this psalmist is that he doesn't wait for his situations to change. I mean, if, he was, if this was written during the time of the exile, he doesn't wait until they come back from the exile to praise God or whatever they're going through that's making them, uh, uh, what nations say, where is your God? He doesn't wait uh, for, for that to change until he praises God. Look at when he actually starts praising God in verse 17. He says, it's not the dead who praise, you, uh, praise the Lord, those who go down to the place of silence. It is we who extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Praise the Lord. He doesn't wait until sometime in the future. He says, now, your people will extol you now and forevermore. 
Uh, and he's, the last uh, uh, word uh, in, this, in this psalm is hallelujah. Let us praise the Lord. He's asking others to praise God now. In the midst of what's going on, in the midst of whatever, the, the, the trouble that they're going through, he's saying, let's praise God now. Because he's more concerned about God and God's glory than his own situation. And that, that comes out very clearly if we look at why he probably wrote the psalm. And that is found in verse 1. Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. The reason why he wrote this psalm wasn't because he wanted to pray for deliverance. The reason why he wrote this psalm was because he heard the nations mocking Israelites, mocking their God, saying, where is your God? He seems dumb. He seems impotent. Where is your God? And because he heard the mocking voices of the nations, he wrote this psalm to say, not to us, but to you, to your name be the glory. And I'm going to start praising you now so that they hear the glory, of, hear of, of your praise now. He's asking uh, to, uh, for the situations to change so that the nations would know that Yahweh God is the one true God. He's more concerned about God and God's reputation than himself. And as we saw last week, this is one of the characteristics of a, a, peop, a, a person who knows God, who knows, as, it, as we see in, the, in verse 1, who knows of God's love and faithfulness. Because he knows God, God dominates his vision. And he wants, he's more concerned about God and his reputation. And friends, this is the place for, I, I would love for all of us in Shatin Church to get to, myself included. Because when we are young in our faith, you know, often the problems that we face, the news that dominates the headlines, right, uh, the illness that we are facing, or whatever we're going through, that's the only thing that we see the problems and news and all these things, and we lose sight of who God is. They dominate our vision, and we don't remember who God is. But if we see God clearly, if we see this God seated on the throne above, ruling above, God who has promised everything, God who is there and with us now, actually these other problems pale in comparison. It doesn't mean that they're not important. They are still very important. <laughs> they make a huge impact in our life. But actually to us emotionally, spiritually, we think, actually, I still have God. His love and faithfulness is with me for now and forevermore. And we become a people who are more concerned about God's glory than the change in our situation. Do you remember Sarah, Sarah Lee, Trevor Sofield's wife? She too was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. She left about a year ago back to uh, Tasmania with uh, Trevor. But when she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, this is what she said of, uh, of the time when she was diagnosed. The diagnosis sparked an immediate enlightenment and reinforcement of the blessed assurance of eternal life that Jesus is mine and I am his. I found that the assurance of everlasting life is so real and concrete that I have had moments of sadness. I've had no moments of sadness, no regrets, no negative feelings or anger. I've not shed a single tear of sadness. I know that when I close my eyes for the last time on earth, I will open my eyes in heaven. Here's a testimony of a person who knows 
God. God whose love and faithfulness is all that she sees. And when she's, even as she's facing pancreatic cancer, even as she's facing the ups and downs of chemotherapy, this is what she sees, his love and his faithfulness. And she becomes an evangelist. You know, she speaks of the, uh, the, his time as one of the most fruitful time in, his, in her evangelism. Everyone, non-Christians, doctors, nurses, everyone who came to her, she speaks about Jesus, about the hope that she has, has in him. The thing that she wanted to talk to others more than anything else as she's going through chemotherapy is goodness of God, love of God, faithfulness of Christ. It's not the dead who praise the Lord. It is we who extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Church, our God is a great God, transcendent God, and this God who can do whatever he pleases with all his power chose to love us chose to become a human being to literally he lived and died for us for you and for me he did church will you know this god will you trust in him and will you live for him not to us lord not to us but to your name be the glory because of your love and faithfulness Let's pray. Lord, we are sinful people who's, or short-sighted people, Lord, whose uh, experience and um, the stuff that we hear, what we're going through, uh, they dominate our vision of life and we lose sight of your goodness. Lord, help all of us in Shatin Church through the power of your spirit to live in deep and intimate relationship with you. Renew our vision of who you are. Renew our vision of your grace, your goodness and love and faithfulness. Lord, help us to see you through all the stuff that's going on through all the ups and downs of life. Lord, help us to see you so clearly that everything else pales in comparison. Lord, help us to live in faith. Lord, we know that that can't happen apart from your spirit. So Lord, we pray that you'd fill us with your spirit. Help us in each day, move us through your spirit to, to, to see you, to live in relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.